everybody. Welcome to Rachel's Reviews. Today we are having a very special episode where we are giving our awards for the best of 2020. We made it through the, the worst year ever. It was certainly a tough year for movies, but there were some gems and we like to give out our prizes for what we liked. And uh, I'm film critic Rachel Wagner and Conrado is here. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be back on Rachel's Reviews for one of our big traditions. Yeah, we've been doing this a while. I mean, it's been three, four years that we've been doing this. So pretty fun. And uh, yeah, it's it was quite the year when mm-hmm. it came to movies. Yeah, we're sad to say we had to cancel the in-person award ceremony because of, you know, everything that's going on. So it's going to be over Zoom. But yeah. don't worry, everybody. The celebrities will be here. <laughs> That's they right. will be singing Imagine. Um, it'll be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll have a panel at the end, <laughs> the Zoom panel, uh, with everyone's thoughts. Uh, so, all right. Well, the we have some typical categories, and then we have our fun categories, which I think the Oscars would be way better if they adapted some of these fun categories. Yep. I agree with you. (laughs) Yeah. And of course the Oscars, we are not going to get them until April this year. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I guess they had to do something like that. Right. Although I guess the reason they pushed it back was just mostly to see if theaters would be open by then. But I don't know if they will be, or at least not in the way they, they were before the pandemic. So just gives us a very long Oscar season. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they'll have the ceremony somehow in person. People who get the vaccine maybe will be there. I don't know. Yeah, I think they probably were hopeful, but it's taking a, you know, a little bit long to get the vaccine out there and I mean, it. it's, I don't know what they were thinking, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it affects the next year's Oscars because that will only have a shorter time period. Mm-hmm. I guess so, hopefully by then they'll be actually be able to send movies in theaters. Because mm-hmm. it'll just be May through the end of the year, but I guess that beginning of the year usually doesn't have that many th- um, nominated films anyway yeah everyone waits until the last minute so mm-hmm. now we're gonna see all the oscar contenders coming out in february yeah well so what do you think even though we had this strange year what do you think about what we did get to see and what kind of what got released did you feel like it, it i don't know how did you feel about the year um I got to say, in terms of movie watching, this was a great year for me to look back and catch up with a lot of stuff that I had been wanting to see for a long time that I couldn't get to in the past, you know? So definitely old movies um, were what I was watching the most, probably more than any other year that I can remember. So that was great. Um, And then from the new stuff, I got to be honest, I didn't watch as much as maybe I should have or I would have wanted to. I did see enough that I really liked so that I can talk about the all these categories with you. And I have a lot of movies that I'm really excited about. Um, yeah. yeah. It was I, really hard to track them down and to see where they were being released. I don't know if you agree with that. No, that can be a pain sometimes. Uh, and, I mean, as a critic, it's, 
I know it sounds really glamorous, like getting screening screeners and stuff, but it can be a real pain in the neck <laughs> trying to contact publicists, trying to get uh, the screeners, and uh, it can be it can be very frustrating. And uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, still, I actually, I mean, I still ended up seeing a lot of movies. I, I I saw feature films. I saw 176 feature films. That's in a lot. 2020. That this new feature films. Mm-hmm. Um, and and then if you include TV movies, I saw 325. Wow. Well, we know where those come from. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's saw... going to be a shortage of those for you. <laughs> no, I saw 115 Christmas movies uh for 2020 and i think the christmas movie uh movie making machine was definitely the winner of 2020 i mean it's unbelievable what they what they accomplished Mm -hmm. is is unbelievable i mean that they that we got between lifetime and hallmark got over 70 movies in 2020 it's just i don't know how I still can't believe it. It's the magic of Christmas. It, it just, really is. You know, you can't stop Christmas. No, I think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Santa Claus is running Hallmark Channel. This yeah, is clear. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so that was that. I was as busy as ever in a lot of ways <laughs> uh, with the Hallmark is podcast. So let's dive in. Let's talk about our favorite and this is kind of more loose word blockbuster because most of the blockbusters were delayed, mm-hmm. but uh, did you have anything that you thought of for that one? Yeah, definitely. So every it feels to me that every time I come here, I, I have to redefine what a blockbuster means right. and, and what to pick. I decided this year, you know, especially since a lot of them didn't come out um, that a blockbuster should just be like a mainstream big studio movie meant to be enjoyed by as many people as possible, right? Like a real popcorn crowd pleaser. Yeah. And for me, the one that I had the best time with is a movie that I know for a fact that you don't like, which Uh-oh. is the Netflix movie starring the great Adam Sandler, Hubie Halloween, oh. which I had a great time with. And I thought it was very uh, charming and very funny, even though it was also very dumb, but you know, that's kind of what you expect from this kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't my favorite, but I know a lot of other people enjoyed it. Uh, So I, I I think it's, it's certainly not his worst uh, movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're talking the Adam Sandler, Netflix movies, uh, it's, it's, uh, I just, even his voice just was not for me. <laughs> I guess th- there has to be a level of of acceptance of that kind of humor for you to get into it to begin with, I would have to say. I haven't seen that many of his Netflix movies, I gotta admit. But what I really loved about this one was a sense of, um, which I think some people criticize him for, but I found the idea of everybody just hanging out, all of his you know, comedian friends, and then were these actors. It was like Ray Liotta, and then there was this like, I think they were like Instagram influencers, or you, I don't know, people who I didn't know, like young uh-huh. actors. And then they were all kind of together and just hanging out, and it was like a 
funny comedy that you know we don't see that often at least on the big screen even though this wasn't on the big screen obviously it was on netflix mm-hmm. but i just had a great time with that yeah yeah well a lot of times his movies it's like clear that they kind of all were there just for a free vacation mm-hmm. and that wasn't the case with that one so that was good uh but some of them it's I don't know. You just feel like, oh, you're there just to go on a cruise with your friends or, you know, mm-hmm. and that that can be, you know, just feel a little lazy. Yeah. But, you know, that wasn't the case with that one. So I do mm-hmm. appreciate that. And I mean, uh, listen, if someone wants to take me on a free cruise, I'll go. Adam Sandler, <laughs> I, my number is ready. I'm ready to be in any of your movies. <laughs> yeah. Well, my pick for best blockbuster is Love and Monsters. This was such a pleasant surprise. Uh, and I'm normally not a fan of, of like dystopian stories that much. End of the world kind of stories. But I have to say this, I don't know if it was just because 2020 or what, but there were a number that, that worked for me. And this one was so charming. Uh, and, and it had kind of everything that you could want in a movie it was funny it was it was romantic it was sweet it was uh i don't know it's 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 about this dylan o'brien plays this young man who the they've had this nuclear fallout whatever end of the world thing and basically like normal animals have mutated into these giant monsters and kind of taken over the 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 main uh earth and everybody's living kind of underneath the ground um but he decides to go onto the earth to go and try to find his girl his girlfriend from before everything happened and so he starts on this journey and michael rooker plays this uh i don't know what you'd call him kind of vagabond type guy with him and his daughter that give him tips on how to survive mm. he's really funny in it and charming and not funny in like an obnoxious sense but in a just charming funny and i don't know i just really enjoyed it 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 had a nice heart to it uh he's got a dog that's that's great <laughs> uh mm. it was such a pleasant surprise yeah, it sounds like a kind of like a zombie land bed with like crazy yes. monsters instead of zombies, right? Yeah, it, it's not as outright a comedy as Zombie Land, mm-hmm. uh, which is more an outright satire. But uh, but yeah, it definitely a lot of people compared it to Zombie Land uh, when uh, when it came out, uh, and this is not as R rated as Zombie Land either. But I, I, I just, I just really enjoyed it. I, I thought it was sweet and funny, and I thought the for for the budget they had, I thought they did a good job with the world building and the creature design. And you have like giant frogs, or you know, sort of these <laughs> these kind of these monsters. Uh, there's a great scene where he's talking to a robot uh, that's on its last. A burst of of uh, energy oh. and uh, really really good and so yeah I think that people should check it out it's a hidden I would say hidden gem cool from 2020 
Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I'm looking at the at the images and the monsters look really cool. So yeah. I am definitely intrigued. Yeah, it has a a cool style to it, and they did a lot with a a, a minimal budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just I don't know. It's one of those ones I can't imagine anybody disliking. It's just it's such a it's such a sweet movie and. So yeah, I think I think you'd like it. I really do. So. I'm definitely intrigued. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, next up we have the best indie, mm-hmm. and uh, this was a lot of the films that I ended up seeing were would probably be classified as somewhat indie films. Uh, but my favorite, I have to give the award to Dick Johnson is dead. Mm. And this documentary uh, that I saw at Sundance by Kirsten Johnson, and uh, they, she is kind of dealing with the reality that her father will pass away, and uh, and she kind of puts him through these little scenarios of of how he could die. Uh, at the same time, kind of telling his story and telling her story and. I just loved it. I loved Dick Johnson. He is so funny and sweet and remind me of my grandpa who I love so much. And both my grandmas passed away last year. And so I don't know, really this hit home to me when I saw it at Sundance. And uh, when I saw it again, I loved it uh, again. And I love her. She's incredible. And I, I loved her family. I just loved, ev- I loved everything about it. It was such a sweet, movie and uh, it's uh, and a lot of people don't think of maybe documentaries for a category like this but it was one of my favorites of 2020 mm, sounds great definitely one that i wanted to check out ever since you talked about it in sundance and i don't know for what reason i just didn't get around to it but i definitely will um thanks for reminding me of it um it does look very good yeah uh, i think if if anybody has had like a relationship with uh, a grandpa or a, any kind of figure like that, or even just uh, even a, you know, a parent, anybody right. should be able to relate to it. I feel like. Right. And uh, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's her dad, right? Dick Johnson is, is Chris. Dad. Dad. Okay. Yeah. Her dad. Yeah. Cool. And he's still alive to my knowledge. <laughs> so oh, good. Yeah, yeah. He's not dead. So that's good. That's great. False advertising yeah. there. I know. <laughs> and he was at Sundance, which was really fun. Oh, great. And, yeah. So uh, so what do you have as your favorite indie? Mm-hmm. So my favorite indie, um, you know, as the kind of a uh, little bit snobby hipster kind of soul that I am, I'm a little sad to say that it's a movie that has been celebrated quite a bit and has been winning kind of critics awards for best uh-huh. film. It, but I do love this movie more than any other that I saw this year, and that is First Cow from um, Kelly Reichardt, which is a movie about, um, I guess, the frontier, the Oregon frontier, a couple of people who are, you know, two men who are not necessarily rugged frontier types trying to make it there and trying to survive there and stri- and, you know, forming a really in my opinion, very beautiful uh, friendship. Um, yeah. So I was definitely very moved by the movie. And 
I mean, you know, it's a Kelly Reichardt movie, so it's kind of spare. And at times, I think people would say slow, but I also found it um, funny and tender and emotionally engaging. So I just absolutely loved it. Yeah, it's really good. I loved it too. I I didn't have it in my top 20, but I still really enjoyed it. And I, I think it's very interesting. The last couple of years, we've had a ton of movies about unlikely male friendships. And I think this is a, a you know a good a good entry in that kind of canon. Uh, mm-hmm. It's something that I feel like we're really interested in as a culture. Yeah, and you make a good point because I feel like I've seen some of those movies and they haven't always uh, worked for me, or they haven't yeah. always you know a lot of people say like oh this movie is doing male friendship right. It's like getting it right and showing something that we don't yeah. usually see. I feel like that's not always the case, but in the case of First Cow, I think it's really um, true, at least in my perspective. I feel like this relationship felt very, very uh, emotionally available and and honest and truthful in a way that, um, you know, that to be a little bit um, honest and personal about it, I wish more of my friendships were that transparently um, emotional, mm-hmm. right? I feel like for yeah. certain men, maybe straight men in particular, at least certainly in my case, sometimes you are a little guarded with emotion, right? Mm-hmm. You're a little bit, you don't want to be totally out there because of whatever, mm-hmm. um, gender roles or whatever, I don't know. Yeah. But this was really beautiful in that sense. Yeah, and I think we're just so busy that we, even even in a world of, of quarantine, we're still somehow, at least I'm super busy. I feel like more, almost more than ever before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that's that's challenging. But yeah, that was it was a good film. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, I actually watched it on Christmas Day. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah. Um, another one that I want to mention real quick for best indie is The Vast of Night. I thought that this was very impressive, and the the thing that was exciting about it almost more then the movie itself is, I mean, I'm going to have my eye out for this Andrew Patterson because uh, I thought it was very impressive what he did with a very small, very small budget uh, that, uh, that I mean, some of the, the beautiful tracking shots that he got uh, were you know, following the characters through the town and, and uh, just that mm-hmm. he was able to create with a very small cast and, uh, you know, limited, training actors i just thought given all the constraints what they were able to come up with i thought was very impressive i yeah, I, yeah. So I, I saw that one. one um and definitely a good movie and i agree with what you said very impressive everything they did mm-hmm. and it's just the kind of thing that i'm gonna i bet we're gonna hear from this person i uh, it's has a lot of potential uh it uh it it was a lot of talking for movie is very exposition heavy, but I still I enjoyed it. I actually saw it at the drive in, mm. so that was pretty fun. Oh, that and, seems like a good place to watch this movie because it's you know kind of retro fifties vibe. So yeah, yeah, that was really fun, and uh, so I, that's one I'd recommend to anybody. And uh, I think it it's uh, I it's just somebody. A is really got on my on my map uh, with uh, the vast of night. So, all right. Well, best animation, mm-hmm. and for me, the best, my favorite movie of the year 
was Wolf Walkers mm-hmm. from Tom Moore. I just think I think he's incredible. I've loved all of his movies. Uh, I've loved everything Cartoon Saloon has made. I loved the animation. I thought it was so beautiful. I loved the music. I loved the two girls mm-hmm. and their bond. I liked the dynamic between the one girl and her father. And he's trying to protect her, but she knows kind of what is right, and what she needs to do. And that dynamic was really good. And I, I just I just loved it. I It may be his best movie. I, think, I mean, I love Song of the Sea. Uh, so it's it's a battle between which one do I love more, but I, I think he's it's just an incredible animator, and mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. I wish that it could win. I think he deserves to win, but I know he won't. But mm-hmm. oh well. Um, yeah, I I think I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I might also say it's his best movie. I think it's really really great. Um, mm-hmm. The animation, I think it just gets better and better with them. And the, you know, the background art, um, the style, everything is just, you know, because like with every movie, they they go to a next level. So Mm -hmm. that's really exciting to see. Um, um, Yeah, I would have easily picked it for my uh, best animation, except that I knew that you were going to pick it. So I wanted to pick something different. Um, and, uh, yeah, and actually I'm going to do a little bit of a cheat here because if I'm being completely honest, the thing that animated new thing that I enjoyed the most this year is actually the Looney Tunes cartoons on HBO Max. Yeah. Um, which are so good. Um, Mm -hmm. they are so great at capturing the style and the, um, attitude of the original Looney Tunes shorts in a way that almost nothing since then has been able to capture, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, really exciting. I love the fact that they are going with a lot of references in style and animation to not just Chuck Jones, which is what we usually get, but also Tex Avery and Bob Clampett and the older cartoons. Um, and they're just so funny. And they're just so funny in the way that Looney Tunes used to be funny. So I'm and I think you like them too, right, Rachel? Mm, I absolutely adored them. They were so good. They were my second favorite series that I watched in 2020. And uh, my favorite is, is was Hilda season two, which is just an absolutely wonderful animated show that I just want everybody to watch because it's so good. But uh, <laughs> but I I loved the Looney Tunes shorts. They were so good. I mean, just every single almost every single one of them i just thought was so funny and captured the charm of the original looney tunes i uh i mean i little nitpicks like some of the voice cast wasn't perfect i don't think but other than that i i just really enjoyed it and 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 i they have been very hit and miss for me as far as looney tune stuff so i was nervous mm-hmm. going into it because mm-hmm. they had the looney tune show which was, was which was mm-mm. awful. I hated it, and uh, and so yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah it kind of gives me hope for this upcoming Space Jam that maybe it'll be good. Oof, we'll good. see. We'll see. That's uh, going to be a tricky one, but I would definitely love it for it to be um, kind of in this style, if possible. And um, we'll see about that. I'll just say one more thing about the Looney Tunes. 
that definitely they recaptured the magic. I think in one occasion, they actually surpass it. And that's going to say, I mean, Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, they've always had great cartoons. I haven't always been the biggest Sylvester and Tweety fan. I think these Sylvester and Tweety cartoons are the best Sylvester and Tweety cartoons I have yeah. ever seen. The funniest. Mm-hmm. So I think in that sense, this is the best that they those yeah. characters have been. That really was a very funny. If I, the one where Grandma she leaves and there the uh, there's all the cooking. Mm-hmm. That one, that yeah. one was very good. I liked it very much. And have I mean, you I think seen my, my the one favorite... the Christmas special, the Sylvester and Tweety Christmas special one when they're no, at, the, at the store? That's also a really great one. I thought that was oh. very very funny. All right. Well, the best actress is our next category and for me i have to go with anya taylor joy in emma i loved emma i saw it three times in the theater (laughs) before everything went down including once with my mother so that was really fun and i've seen it a number of times since i i thought she did a really good job of capturing a a sort of a younger Emma than we sometimes see. Uh, she really felt like a teenager, which I thought was nice. Uh, she felt like she was, you know, 17, 18, which is accurate. And uh, I, I loved, I love the story of Emma. She's one of the more, it's, it's a difficult of the Jane Austen heroines because she's kind of selfish and she's a little bit unlikable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that can be a challenge. Uh, but you know, she learns and grows and, and, uh, so she was my favorite. Yeah. I, I also saw Emma. Um, I think she's really great. Anya Taylor-Joy. I think she's great in everything she does. Um, yeah, she's really that good. I've seen. She's a really good actress. Um, I enjoyed Emma quite a bit. I think it didn't capture me the way it has captured, uh, other people because I've seen it on top 10 lists and people praise it a lot. So I'm curious to revisit it. I definitely had a good time watching it and I think it looks beautiful. And I also think um, Mia Goth, who plays, Mm. um, what's the character name? I'm forgetting. Yeah, Harriet. Uh, Harriet. I thought Mm. she was also incredible. She was so good um, in that supporting role. And Autumn DeWild, I thought it was such a strong debut direction Mm -hmm. for her, I appreciated some of the different choices that she made, like having the movie kind of told in a, in a subtle way from the perspective of the servants, which was uh-huh. very interesting. I thought uh, that you'd see the servants moving things around and and uh, and kind of helping helping them get ready, and right. and uh, that that was interesting. I also Bill Nye was so good. Mm-hmm loved him in this and his complete inability to be able to help her his child like the one scene where she's she's crying and she's upset and he uh, just right. stands there and he has no ability to like I, I thought that was really well done and uh, he's always i love bill knight i think he is mm-hmm. i think he's kind of underrated as he's an actor, actor. And yeah. I think he was perfect for this kind of, uh, he was perfectly cast for this kind of role and this kind of movie, the mm-hmm. tone that the movie was going for. Yeah, I think so too. And uh, I really loved him in Their Finest uh, a, a while back. Uh, and I, I don't know, it's just a, in Love Actually, he's great. I mean, he's just always great, I feel like. Yeah. 
So, uh, so that was my choice. Who did you have as best actress? So as best actress, I have someone, okay, this is, uh, <laughs> I don't want to say a political choice, but it's definitely maybe a controversial choice because this is a person who has been winning a lot of awards as a best supporting actress, but I'm here to say she's not a supporting actress. She is the lead of the movie. And that is um, Maria Bakalova from Borat's subsequent movie film, which is the sequel to Borat. And I think that she has been rightfully singled out as a breakthrough performer, um, a totally unknown person, at least to me, uh, from Bulgaria. And she just commits 100% to the bit. She commits to playing alongside Sasha Baron Cohen, um, which you know, when he goes into his Borat mode and he goes out there to, to see all these people and try to do all this stuff, it's like, in my opinion, it's kind of brave what these people are doing, whether or not you find it funny or whatever. It's different, but it's definitely dangerous. There's like a level of danger in there and she totally commits to it. She doesn't break character. She's so funny. I um, I assume this is probably a movie that you haven't seen because it doesn't seem like it's your kind of movie or humor. Yeah, but I, I haven't seen it. Yeah, and I understand... Uh, I don't think you would particularly enjoy it. I don't think it's it's your thing. But I do think Maria Bakalova is great. And I think I'm happy that she's winning awards. I just wish she was winning them in lead actress because that's really what she is. The movie is about the two of them and their relationship. Cool. Yeah, good. I have heard that she's good in that. So, all right. Well, best actor. For me, I give the award to Charlie Plummer for... His two films, Spontaneous and Words on Bathroom Walls, both made my top 10. I think that he is just such a great young talent. And I I think we're going to be hearing great things from him in years to come. I said that I feel like he's the next Leonardo DiCaprio uh, Mm -hmm. as far as potential in in, uh, awards and, and movies and things. And I, I loved Spontaneous. I thought that it was a very... Uh, kind of uh, it's it's an interesting movie because it's not underrated as far as the critics who see it like it. It's got a ninety eight percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but nobody's talking about it. It's weird. Um, it's such a bonkers, strange movie, but about it's these these uh this high school where uh all of a sudden people are exploding. Oh. <laughs> like out of nowhere <laughs> and uh and so they have this teen romance where any minute they might explode and which is bizarre but it works and it's it's strange and funny and uh scary at times and and romantic at times and i he's just great i think and katherine langford is so good in that as well and i loved words on bathroom walls he plays a uh, a young man who has schizophrenia and that was a cool experience for me because in my blog review i i said i'd be really interested to talk to somebody who has schizophrenia what they think of the movie and a young man reached out to me and named zach and he ended up coming on the on my podcast and we talked about it and mm-hmm. then the director thor uh, thor um frudenthal he heard our interview and then he came on and I talked with him. And so it was oh, just man. this really positive, awesome experience. And, and I, so I loved the movie, but then it also was like a really positive uh, personal experience as well. That's great. Yeah. 
So what's your choice? For best actor, I have um, Luca Marinelli from the movie Martin Eden, which is an Italian movie that I saw for the first time last year at the New York Film Festival, and then it came out this year uh, online. And um, I think almost everyone who sees the movie, whether they like it or not, everyone concludes that Luca Marinelli is a very handsome man. And I am not here to dispute that he's also a great actor, I have to say. He um, has that kind of magnetic star persona charisma, which I think it's really useful when you're moving, making a movie like Martin Eden, which is basically about this guy who is poor, like a working class guy, who wants to be a writer. And um, as he goes into his writing career, he becomes more um, snobbish and he becomes... Uh, it comes basically kind of a libertarian, to be honest. That's kind of the idea. All right. Right. <laughs> right. But I don't think you would be happy about it. It's not a very flattering Uh-oh. portrayal. Um, <laughs> but definitely, um, yeah, definitely kind of a lefty movie in which he ends up being kind of this crusty old man, kind of in a there will be blood kind of way. Uh-huh. Um, but he's a very prickly, sometimes unlikable, sometimes very unlikable character. And I think the fact that he brings this charisma I mean, it doesn't hurt that he's so handsome, but also he has all this personality that really makes it work and, and makes you want to okay. keep watching him. So, I yeah. I've never heard of this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um, I think it's won a couple of awards. I think he won uh, Best Actor at Venice last year back when Joker took the Golden Lion, if I remember when that oh, happened. Dear. Um, yeah. But yeah, and it was very well deserved, his Best Actor award. I think he's he's really great. Cool. I'll have to check that out. I had never heard of it. Best Supporting Actress. I have Catherine Deneuve in The Truth. Mm. This was from our favorite Hirokazu Kurida. In, uh, this was his first movie to be made in French. not in First movie to not be in Japanese. And I really enjoyed it. Uh, Juliette Binoche, uh, Ethan Hawke. Uh, it's, it's a slice of life movie that doesn't have a ton of plot. So some people will think it's boring, but uh, she's great in the movie. She plays this, this uh, famous actress who writes this memoir about her life and her daughter's like, wait, none of this actually happened like <laughs> that you wrote. And so they have this conflict and uh, she's also doing a movie about uh, memory and about it's a kind of a sci-fi movie uh so there's sort of both things happening uh and she, she's just perfect in playing this kind of highfalutin movie star mm-hmm. of course of course she is i bet mm-hmm. she's great i haven't caught up with this one even though like you said we both uh are fans of hirokazu koreeda so i will um hopefully check it out sometime soon um my pick for best supporting actress um, from the movie Let Them All Talk, which came out on HBO, uh, Meryl Streep. Talk about vacation movies in which they basically just went on a cruise ship and filmed the movie. Seems like that's what this is. Um, uh-huh. but the one that I um, was really excited about, we obviously see Meryl Streep in movies all the time, but I was very happy to see Candace Bergen in a supporting role. And oh. I was really happy. My pick is Diane Weist, who plays another character. She so doesn't good. get as much to do as the other two, but she has, um, she just reminded me of how great of an actress she is and how she should be in way more movies in, in better roles than she usually gets. She gets to do this monologue about 
um, space and about like, you know, life in this movie when they're having dinner that it's absolutely beautiful. She knocks it out of the park. I love Diane Weist. I was so happy to see her on screen again and I hope to see her more often. Yeah, she is great. <laughs> I love her. So I haven't seen that. I haven't gotten to watch that, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So that's on HBO out. Max right now. Um, okay. Directed by Steven Soderbergh. It's a really kind of a laid back movie, but it's a pretty good one. And and everyone's really good in it. it was, you know, Lucas Hedges is in it as well. And Gemma mm. Chan, everyone's really good in the cast. He's great. I Another one like Charlie Plummer, I think, young talent. Mm. Uh, all right. Very good. Okay. So supporting actor i have definitely give it to bill murray for on the rocks i loved him in this movie i thought he was so funny and charming and uh i loved his dynamic with rashida jones i thought they really worked to me as a father daughter combo and he's kind of a scoundrel but Mm -hmm. i know he's just so charming and he's the kind of person that if he's in a room he's owning the room you know mm-hmm. he's there and uh i thought i'm not always the biggest fan of sofia coppola's films uh but this one really worked for me i enjoyed it a lot so mm-hmm. he was great great i also like this movie quite a bit i was i was thinking when you got to best actor i was i was thinking you were going to do bill murray so you put it in, in supporting that's what happened now it makes sense yeah i because um, I think that's what the Oscars will do. So that's what, that was my excuse. <laughs> that's fine. I, ju- I was just wondering when it happened. I was like, wait, what about Bill Murray? I thought she loved him in On the Rocks. <laughs> so here it is. And I had a great time with On the Rocks. I have a softness for prickly, uh, kind of know-it-all scoundrel characters, like you're saying. And what I really liked about this movie and this performance is that he doesn't necessarily soften or change by the end, which I think is very truthful to how these people are and how your relationships with your parents is you just gotta you know either accept them as they are or let them go because trying to change your parents let me tell you it's not Uh gonna work yeah it's true yeah that's that's very true uh but the he 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 grows a little bit uh as a character but Mm -hmm. but it's just so freaking charming that uh so what do you have as supporting actor so for supporting actor, I'm going to do another bit of a cheat. And the thing is that we used to have a best ensemble category, and then we got rid of it because we wanted to like streamline the awards this year mm-hmm. because we usually go on for way too long, and we're already going on for way too long. But um, there's a movie called Bloody Nose, Empty Pockets, which is a kind of a fiction slash documentary hybrid. I'll tell you what they did is they got a bunch of people who usually hang out at a bar and they made them come hang out at the bar, but they filmed and they said this act as if this was the last night that the bar is open, basically. So it is people playing themselves as going to the bar as they usually do, but it's also kind of a movie. So there's been a lot of talk about, is this real or is it not? Should it be a documentary or should it not be classified as a documentary? I think in either case, the ensemble work is incredible. Everyone is so uh, committed and and honest, and you get to see a lot of incredible bits of, of, you know, confessionals and acting between them. And I wanted to single two people out from that ensemble who are really great for supporting Mm -hmm. actor. One of them, I think his name is Bruce Hadnot, 
um at least his name i know his name is bruce they're not credited in the in the movie as actors because it's you know presented as a documentary so i'm not really sure if that's his last name but he seems to be kind of a war veteran who um is kind of very quiet and very keeps to himself but also there are moments when he really opens up and it's really really touching what he says about his experience uh both serving uh as a military man and then coming back and feeling like he um hasn't been treated well by his country you know and on his return and then there's this other guy Michael Martin who plays a bit of a I think uh, he's not the lead character because it's really an ensemble, but he's kind of this present figure who really interacts with everyone. And he's like this guy at the bar who talks to everyone, you know, and he has things to say to everyone. And he has a lot uh, to say about his past and everyone else. There's a really, really beautiful moment where he talks to a younger guy and he tells him about to not waste his life the way that he did. And he really talks about all the stuff that he's done and all the time that he spent at the bar and, and drinking and partying that he wishes he had spent doing other stuff. And it all feels so real. And it's, and it's a really, really beautiful movie. I really recommend it to anyone who hasn't seen it, which I assume is a lot of people because it's a very independent, um, small yeah. movie. I hadn't, I hadn't heard of it until. So yeah. that looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. Bloody nose, empty pockets. I definitely cool. recommend it. Uh, so, best score i give this one to soul i thought that the music uh, by trent reznor and atticus ross was really strong not only the the jazz uh inspired music but the just the music throughout i thought was really mm-hmm. beautiful oh great i thought that music was great i didn't know if they did the jazz as well is that true uh, so they had, um, they did have somebody else. Who was it that, um, John, uh, Battisti. John Battisti. The, uh, the jazz songs. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So the three of them together. Yeah. Um, I, music is beautiful in, in soul. Mm-hmm. A pretty good movie. I have had my issues with Pixar lately, but I really enjoyed Soul quite a bit. I think they did a really great job. Yeah, I I enjoyed it. I uh, I, I I'm not as high on it as some people, but uh, I still enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, I I thought that the like I said, I thought the music was great. So yeah. who do you have as for score? For score, I have actually Emma, which I think has an incredible yeah. score. Um, with uh, beautiful, beautiful orchestral music appropriate for the time period, but also very um, modern sounding in its own way. And also a really great selection of um, songs, I would say. Are there, I suppose they're folk songs. Um, yeah, they're like hymns almost. Yeah, they're like hymns. That's right. And they're, and they're used very uh, well. And some of them are really beautiful. I have listened to that score a lot. Um, since I saw the movie, um, mm-hmm. whenever I'm like writing or just hanging out. Yeah, it's a very good choice. Uh, a very, very good choice. I love that too. Uh, so best screenplay, uh, I have uh, the I have Minari as my choice for best screenplay. Uh, it's such a beautiful movie about uh, a man who's trying to make a go of it as a farmer in Arkansas. He is a um, 
Korean immigrant and mm-hmm. uh, his mother-in-law ends up coming to, to, to stay with them. And uh, he has a, a little boy and a little girl and they are so cute. And uh, it's a very hopeful, it's devastating at times, but also hopeful in its end kind of takeaway and uh, absolutely just beautiful movie. I, mm-hmm. I know you'd love it. You got to see it. I, I want to see it, but I can't because I am not a Rotten Tomato certified critic, so I don't get um, screeners. And I don't think it's available yet for the commoners like me to watch it, but I definitely want to. So please let it out so I can see it. Yeah. I've heard nothing but great <laughs> things. Yeah, that that's true. It got to, it's it still hasn't gotten its release yet. I forgot, but um, it's it's great. It's really good. Yeah, I bet. Um, my screenplay, another movie that I know for a fact that you do not enjoy, and that is Kajillionaire, which uh-huh. um, I absolutely loved it. I guess it all depends on whether or not you are into that wavelength, because everything that I think you found annoying about the sense of humor, I found hilarious. Everything that I feel like you probably rolled your eyes at, I was moved by the story of this really weird dysfunctional family and this girl who's grown up so kind of like repressed and and mistreated by her parents who finally finds uh, small ways to kind of break out of that and how hard that can be all presented in a very um, kind of offbeat comedic uh, package. So that's definitely my kind of movie and I loved it. That's by Miranda July, by the way, the screenplay. Yeah. My friend Louisa was her favorite of the year. I, it was not, it was not for (laughs) me, but I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Uh, So best adapted screenplay. I would give it to Emma. It was my favorite. Uh And if uh, we're going to do adapted screenplay, I would say Martin Eden, which is based on a Jack London novel from the 19, Mm. uh, early 1900s, but it's been transplanted to Italy in, and also does a lot of great things in the adaptation, changing some stuff and making it really about the 20th century as a whole, looking back. Really great job. Oh, that's good. Uh, so best duo, I I could have talked about uh, a number of ones that I've already discussed, but my my one of my favorites was the uh, was. Uh, the Andy Samberg and Chris, Kristen Milioti in Palm Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, was, I saw it at Sundance and I really enjoyed it. And uh, I, I liked it when it came out in, I got to see it again on Hulu. And uh, I think they're charming in, in the movie. And uh, so that would be my pick. Great. We know that that for you, chemistry is really essential in any mm-hmm. kind of romantic comedy or just general movie romance. So that I think speaks highly of these two. I haven't seen the movie yet, but I heard it's pretty. Oh, good. you didn't get to watch it. It's 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 pretty good, clever. I enjoyed it. Uh, what about you? Um, for me, it's just my favorite movie of the year is First Cow, and it's all about the central relationship. Mm. For to me the best duo, the one that I've been thinking about the most and that moves me every time I think about them is definitely Cookie and King Hu from First Cow, who are played by um, John Magaro and Orion Lee, who are both really beautifully great in the movie. Yeah, 
Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, best kiss. I actually have to give it to uh, the final kiss between uh, Peter and Lara Jean in To All the Boys. Uh, P.S. I Still Love You. Wow. Uh, it's the sequel to the first To All the Boys I've Loved Before, uh, which I enjoyed uh, both of them. And I thought the ending and the defi- the ending kiss in that movie was really sweet and very well done. Great. And my best kiss is um, also the final kiss, but this time in Kajillionaire between Evan Rachel Wood and, and Gina Rodriguez. Um, like I said, I was just really moved by that movie. And by the time those two um, got together and, and, they, and she, Evan Rachel Wood, who plays such a repressed character, was able to let go, I just like the tears were streaming down my face. I was so happy about that connection. So that's definitely the kiss I'll remember the most. Mm-hmm. All right. Biggest laughs. I give this to Save Yourselves. This was my favorite dra- dramatic movie out of Sundance. And uh, it's it's very funny. And about this hipster couple who uh, go to upstate uh new york uh and they're putting away their phones they're they're not gonna uh there's they're they're going off the grid for a weekend and of course that's the weekend of an alien invasion and i thought it was quite funny and uh it's uh they've got great chemistry between sunita amani and john reynolds uh in the lease as this couple and uh so that was my favorite comedy Great. Um, the biggest laughs for me, I want to give an honorable mention, just not to Borat as a whole, which was pretty funny, but there's one moment where Borat gives a haircut that I think I've thought about that a lot. It's a very dumb joke, but it goes on and on. And to me, it was so funny. And every time I think about back at him kind of giving this haircut to this guy, I just can't stop laughing. So that's my honorable mention. And the actual funniest movie that I saw, again, I think it might not be your cup of tea, Rachel. It's uh, a movie called Bad Trip. It is basically a kind of a hybrid between a movie and a prank show. Um, it is very tasteless and it is very crass. So probably not uh, something you would enjoy, but I thought it was really funny. It's got Aunt Eric Andre, Lil Rail, Harry and Tiffany Haddish in it. And they go into these kind of prank modes um, with, you know, regular people that are really, um, really hilarious. And at the end of the day, they are less mean-spirited than you would think. Um, It ends up being a kind of a, you know, in its own way, heartwarming movie about how people in the world will actually, you know, kind of try to help, even though these crazy things are going on around them, which I appreciate. I hadn't heard of that. Another one I haven't heard of. Uh, so interesting. Okay. So most rewatchable for me, it's gotta be Emma. It's the one I rewatched the most, uh, mm-hmm. of the year. Yeah. And to me, there's no question. These movies, uh, in my opinion, are made to be rewatched over and over and just laugh along with them. It's the trip to Greece, which is the fourth mm-hmm. installment in the trip series with, um, Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. Um, I think a lot of people felt a little underwhelmed by the trip to Greece. I really loved it. I thought it was really hilarious. And I thought that it brought a lot of um, dramatic stakes to the whole thing. Um, So, yeah. And I definitely, I'll watch those movies any day. They're so rewatchable. They're just so fun to hang around. Yeah. 
so let's see. Oh, so Tearjerker is our next one. And I actually, I'm going to give Tearjerker to, to a little, I think maybe a little underrated. I'm going to give it to Onward and mm-hmm. particularly the ending. I thought the fact that, he, that especially when you know that Dan Scanlon, that he made the movie because he never got to say goodbye to his dad. And the fact that he would have, spoiler alert, the the, the Tom Holland character, who's him, his character, that he would have him not get to have that moment with his dad and that he would sacrifice that for his brother and, uh, and let his brother have that moment. I thought was really a surprise, uh, you know, that I was expecting the movie to have to to make it work somehow that he would get to see his dad but it ended up only being the brother and i thought that was a really bold interesting choice and and i i i made me cry and and i think the uh the movie worked for me uh on that brother relationship because i've had a a bit of a rocky relationship with my brother my older brother and so i it's kind of spoke to me and and uh, I, I liked it, and I, th- I particularly thought that ending was really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a very lovely moment in a movie that I have to say I don't particularly like otherwise. So let's just move on um, mm-hmm. to My Tear Jerker, which is a movie that has also gotten a lot of praise and attention from critics groups, and that is the documentary Time by Garrett Bradley, which is the um, real-life story of a woman named Fox Rich who is trying to um, get her husband released from jail, who's been jailed for, I think it's something like 30, 60 years, something like that he's been sentenced for. And she's really trying to get him out of jail through activism and, and, you know, all that kind of thing. Um, It's a really beautiful movie. Um, It's really emotional. Um, And by the end of it, um, it's all of the uh, everything that has been building up towards it. It kind of just like bursts open, and the you know it. It's almost like the floodgates opened for me, and I was like crying like a baby. I was so moved by what was happening. Um, definitely a beautiful, beautiful movie that I recommend to everyone. Is this on a streamer? I think it's on Prime. Okay, I have to check that out. I, I've now I've seen it. I, I mean, I've seen uh, mm-hmm. about it but I haven't actually watched it. Yeah. It's been getting a lot of awards and and praise from critics for sure. So I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up at the Oscars or something. So for date movie, I, I was going to, I don't know if I'm going to steal your joke because you always sit, pick a, (laughs) (laughs) you pick a cautionary tale. Yeah. Um, and uh what so what what, i'll i'll let you go first i actually haven't uh, picked the cautionary tale this time around i've actually taken it seriously so why don't you give us a little oh well so i was gonna say promising young woman as a child (laughs) (laughs) but no but for real i mean i did actually quite enjoy promising young woman i thought it was quite good but uh i would say it's a real date movie i think sylvie's love uh, I saw it in Sundance and I actually liked it better uh, on the rewatch because I think I was just less tired and mm-hmm. more, uh, you know, in a better 
better mood, I guess. Uh, and uh, I, it's a very stylistic, it's a throwback movie to the 1960s. And the director at Sundance, he said that he had never seen a Doris Day type movie with a black cast. And he's like, well, I guess I'm going to make, I'll make one. And he did. And it was yeah. really good. Yeah. I've been wanting to see that one for as well, ever since I heard, I think you're the person that first mentioned it to me and I've been curious since, and now it's available. So I should really catch up with it. Um, yeah. From what I hear, it would go really well with my pick for a date movie, which is the um, Steve McQueen, uh, part of his small act series, Lover's Rock is the name of the movie, mm-hmm. um, which is uh, basically takes place over one night at a party in uh, the early 1980s in London of kind of like a, a Jamaican, uh, Caribbean immigrant community. And it's just a wonderful uh a very sexy, very romantic movie about just, you know, having a night out and, and connecting with people on the dance floor. And, you know, um, definitely the the most romantic movie I saw this year. So I think that would be perfect for a date, even though what is a date anymore, you know, in the Zoom world? Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so best young performer, I could definitely talk about the little boy in Minari is the cutest thing to ever exist. But I want to give some love to an actor, little Winslow Fegley in Timmy Failure, Mistakes Were Made. I loved this movie. I thought it was so sweet. And he was adorable. His little detective agency and going around on his Segway with his imaginary polar bear. And I I, I loved this. I I thought this movie had a great script. And uh it was one of my one of my favorites of 2020 i really liked it and uh he was so cute (laughs) great um i don't know how young my uh performers are that i picked but i think they're pretty young and they are um sydney flanagan and talia Ryder, who play the two girls in never rarely sometimes always which is a pretty good movie and I think they are really, really great in it. I think in many ways, they their performances really make the movie, you know, and they bring kind of a, a realism and an honesty to it that I was really impressed with. And I'm happy to see that at least Sidney Flanagan has been getting some attention um, from awards critics for her work. I'm here to say that I think Talia Ryder, who plays the cousin, is also really great in the movie and, and she should also be getting... Um, some attention yeah yeah they're good in that for sure uh all right most underrated i i like i think spontaneous has certainly got good reviews but i think it's underappreciated mm-hmm. and we're talking about it more yeah. but i think that farmageddon Shaun the sheep the movie <laughs> i think is the most underrated i really enjoyed it i thought it was very cute and funny and the little alien was adorable and I just watching Sean the Sheep try to order pizza, I could watch that all day. <laughs> I, I thought it was so cute. Uh, uh, yeah. So it's not as good as the first ones, I guess that's why. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I I enjoyed it, and I I think it deserves more love. Yeah, I love Sean the Sheep. He those movies are so funny. Um, so I definitely endorse this pick. Um. My pick for the most underrated is a movie that I've seen very, very few people talk about. It's a Canadian movie um, called 
the 20th century. Um, and this is directed by Matthew Ranking, and it's basically a very stylistic, expressionistic, surreal comedy biopic about uh, William Lyon Mackenzie King, who is a prime minister of Canada. But this movie is kind of about before he became prime minister. This is a story of how he was kind of raised to, to be prime minister and how he's like frustrated about the fact that he can't get to be prime minister yet. And it's a very, very, very surreal comedy. Um, the art direction and the visual effects and this and the style of the movie is very striking. It looks like a German expressionistic movie, but in color. And and the comedy is really silly and it's very inventive. There's a, you know, the climax of the movie is the way that they decide who's going to be prime minister of Canada is by doing like a like an ice skating race in which you have to like it's almost like a hockey match, but an ice skating. And and there's a narwhal who comes and starts wreaking havoc. Um, it's a really crazy movie. It's totally out there, and I think a lot of people would be impressed if they caught up with it. Hmm, that's another one I hadn't heard of. Very fun. It's amazing. You think uh, seeing 175 movies? I I would have. There's so many still that I haven't seen. It's 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 incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Great. Uh, so last topic I, I we added this year is the best movie to watch in quarantine. And for me, the best experience in quarantine was watching Hamilton. I absolutely loved it. I love uh, I love Broadway musicals and I love Hamilton. And uh, I thought they did a great job of filming the the musical and really kind of drawing you in. I've seen it live. And uh, and this is a different experience, the way that it you know you get close up to the actors, and it was just really cool because they announced that Broadway had had been canceled and that was devastating, and so then the next week we get to see Hamilton, so that was very comforting, and uh, so that was my favorite. Uh, I don't know, I just felt like that ca- encapsulated kind of the experience of being. Isolated and in quarantine for me was getting to watch Hamilton. Yeah, that's interesting because I feel like it also was one of those moments where it felt like everyone was watching the same thing and everyone was yes. talking about the same thing, which was um, definitely something that we had. Um, I don't know. It, it became more noticeable this year when we were yeah. all at home when that happened. Yeah. What about you? Um, so I want to be completely honest with myself and my experience in quarantine. And I got to say that for me, the best way to deal with the quarantine was actually to look to movies of the past, like I said at the beginning. So to go back and look at stuff that I had been meaning to catch up, stuff from different times, kind of to see how, I don't know exactly why, um, but I guess there was something comforting perhaps about knowing that there's always been problems in in history in the past and humanity has persevered that you see that these um emotions and that we have now and concerns have been there and and i mean i guess it sometimes it can be a little disappointing to see that there's still these problems are still around but it's also comforting to know that we have been humans all along you know and we have been thinking about the same things and we've had empathy so i'm just gonna say um uh, I don't know the Criterion Channel. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, just, you know, we were talking, 
it kind of reminded me of what when I was talking about uh, watching Doctor Strange Love after, sure. yeah, on our Criterion uh, Criterion project uh, that, that it was kind of in an odd way sort of comforting to know. That. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, definitely. I found I, I definitely that. found a lot of reward in going back and and seeing movies of the past. So that's what I would recommend. Very good. All right, we did it. We gave out all our awards. Congratulations to all the winners. Congratulations to all the winners. You will be getting your award in the mail. Um, And please send us a video of you accepting your award. That's right. Uh, so I think we covered a lot of movies. So if, if y'all, if you get to watch any of them, if you have thoughts of any of them, let us know in the comment section or on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts. And uh, so thanks so much for doing this. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. Yeah. So how can people find you and your content? Uh-huh. So people who listen to Rachel's reviews will probably be interested to listen to the Criterion Project, which is the podcast that we do together in which Rachel and I talk about movies in the Criterion uh, channel and Criterion collection. So if you want to take my recommendation to heart of looking at movies of the past, that would be a great way to start. You can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at CocoHitsNY. Great. And you can find me at Rachel's Reviews, all over social media, iTunes, YouTube, and on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, make sure to check out the Hallmarkies podcast for interviews and uh, all your rom-com fun fun over there. So check that out. And thanks so much. And uh, you make sure that you check out our Patreon. I would really appreciate that. And then also I have our merch store, which has lots of fun stuff. So take a look over there. And thanks again, and we'll talk to you all later. Bye, everyone.